Hey babes, welcome to a special edition of Nose for the Net, a Washington Capitals fan podcast. I'm your host, Brian Haley. I haven't broadcast in probably a year, year and a half or so, for lots of different reasons. But after my last broadcast, I hung up the microphone in one of those little boxes on the wall that says, break glass in case of emergency. I've been walking past that little box the last two months or so, wondering when was the right time. Well, as apathetic has led to pathetic, and the state of our capitals has gone down the tubes, I figured it's time to grab the hammer, because this team has an urgency emergency. Let's talk about it. Well, Caps fans, the time has come. The day we all dreaded, the day we knew loomed, after a Stanley Cup, and after big contracts were signed, we're here. We're at the point where our beloved red, white, and blue team just isn't that good anymore. Now, there's probably lots of reasons, and we can dive into some of them. But what really needs discussing is where do we go from here? Because in the last week, the team has really become what we've seen coming maybe the last two months since their stellar December. But this last week, it has crystallized that they're just not good enough to compete every night against the big teams in the East. And why is that? Is it a roster constructed of not enough youth, not enough speed, not enough quickness? Sure. Is it a defense that uh, looks like you're running out six matadors? Sure. Is it two goalies that are letting in some soft goals? I'm going to say not really, because the goalies actually have been fighting for their lives back there, and I think they're hanging in pretty good given the five-man defense that's being played in front of them. But the bottom line is, this team is in turmoil. Six-game losing streak, ugly record since the first of the year, apathetic effort on the ice. I mean, they have sleptwalked through some games in this last two weeks, right? So they beat Boston two Saturdays ago. And look like, oh, hey, we are turning a corner. We just went into Boston, easily the best team in the league, easily the best home team. I mean, they have um, protected their arena like a fortress this season. We walk in there, hard fought, grind them down game, which, by the way, was a matinee national TV game in which the Caps usually stink. Got out of there with a 2-1 win, and you think, here we go. Maybe this is the grit that I've been waiting to see since the first of the year. And then they follow that up with a sloppy snoozer against the Sharks, looking more like a Cats matinee team the next day on Super Bowl Sunday. And, well, that was the first of the six losses that brings us to today's game against the Rangers. They have been bad. They have been real bad. Um, the Caps have lost to the Hurricanes, which is no... Uh, they're no slouch, obviously, in the last... They've lost to them twice in the last two weeks. But that stadium series game a week ago, why did the Caps bother to show up? I mean, the pageantry was nice. The uniforms looked cool on TV. But they could have skated around the warm-up, waved to the crowd, and left because the rest of it, they were just there. Instead of the Washington Capitals, they looked like the Washington Generals there to be the foil for the Carolina Globetrotters. 
for the rest of that game because the hurricane skated circles around the Caps. It was not cool. And then this week, it's not gotten much better. Red Wings, a team that they're pretty competitive with, on par, I would say, with in terms of where they are in the standings and the race. But you'd like to give the edge to the Capitals in experience and <clears throat> in knowing what it takes to win games and that sort of thing. And being the home team didn't matter. Red Wings came in, um, put it on the Caps. It was a close score, but it was not really that close of a game, I thought. I mean, when you have a five-minute major, which kicks out arguably the Red Wings' best player, and you score one power play goal on that five-minute major, which that's fine. You're not going to always score multiple games on a five-minute major. But they also gave up a shorthanded goal, so it negated the entire thing. And that was kind of um, had been emblematic of where the Caps are. It's one step forward, one or two steps back every time they look like they're possibly making a move. So that led us to Thursday night. Anaheim comes to town, the worst team in the league. Not anymore because they got two points off, off of us on Thursday. But worst team in the league. The Caps' effort was better. The captain was back from his uh, four-game hiatus off to, you know, where he'd been off to Russia to deal with the death of, death of his father. But nothing. Being at home. The captain returning. Having the worst team in the league in front of you. Um, knowing that teams all around you in the standings race, in that tight race for the wild card, are winning. Nothing mattered. Because the Caps, despite playing harder certainly didn't play better. And that led to a 4-2 loss, uh, cemented on an empty net goal, which was because Evgeny Kuznetsov made a stupid, blind, backhanded pass just inside his blue line, or in the offensive blue line, and it led to an easy empty net goal. So instead of being able to maybe scrap out a tie or a win, I mean, to push it to overtime and get a win, it ends up in the back of the empty net. Just so, such a rich sample of what's going wrong with this team. They cannot get out of their own way, and it looks like that has now left them probably, unless they can get their stuff together, on the outside of the playoffs looking in. So the question is, where do the Caps go from here? With the future muddled, this team, predominantly general manager Brian McClellan, GMBM for short, of course, has some real decisions to make. Is this a teardown and a rebuild? Is this we limp through the next three to four years to help Alexander Ovechkin get the goal-scoring record and we do nothing else? Is this a retool on the fly where we can get better in the short term while building for the future? I don't know. I have my thoughts and my thoughts look like a retool right and maybe that's already beginning he traded garnet hathaway and dimitri orloff to boston on thursday and that is the start of what we may see happening as the trade deadline looms for next on next friday the caps have tons of pending unrestricted free agents that might be potential um, rentals for other teams that are looking to improve they have so many unrestricted free agents that we know the team can be remade in the summer, but can you do something now to retool? Obviously, you can't just throw up your hands and let every single player go in the summer because it's tough to stock a whole roster in your um, 
free agent period in the summer. So you need to make some moves now. I am all in favor of a move like they did on Thursday. <clears throat> Get rid of some players that are pending uh, unrestricted free agents. Guys that, sure, I love to have Orloff and Hathaway on the team, but they may walk away in the summer for nothing. So at least you got some picks, including a first-round pick, which is huge. Um, in this well-stocked draft, although Boston's <laughs> pick could very well be the last pick in the first round, but whatever, you're restocking some assets, some resources, some things that haven't happened. But what I think needs to happen and where we need some clarity from GMBM is what is the plan going forward? Because we have the opportunity. We, I don't play for the Caps. I don't manage the Caps. The Caps have the opportunity to dump a lot of these free agents, potential free agents, if other teams want them, get some deadline deals done, get some picks back, and that opens up, instead of waiting until the summer to open up holes on the roster, <clears throat> you can up open up holes on the roster right now and bring up some of the young players from Hershey, get them in the lineup, get them in the positions where they are most comfortable. I'd like to see McMichael playing center. I'd like to see Alexi Protis playing center. Get guys in the lineup, and then you can assess over the next 20 games what you've got. And that gives you a better plan going into the summer of what we need. Do we think Connor McMichael can fill the third center role next season? Or do we need to go out and get a third center? So that means coming off some players that we love. That means coming off some players that we don't, wouldn't mind getting rid of um, as well. But I'm sure GMBM is very busy right now working the phones. But what I would like to see is a lot more deals for picks. Mantha can go. Anthony Mantha can, you know, I call him the invisible Mantha because for all his attributes and things that he should be bringing to the table, he doesn't. And all the criticisms that were leveled on him and that we heard about and Red Wings fans laughed about said good luck with him when he was traded here for Jacob Verana a couple years ago have all come to fruition. He's a big guy but he doesn't use his size that well. He's got a death scoring touch, yet it doesn't show up on the score sheet. He is the leader of the apathetic gang, as far as I'm concerned. He just looks like, you know, sometimes it's, he's a good skater, so guys get penalized because they look like they're not skating hard and that kind of thing, but he just looks like he's circling out there, happy to be here, happy to collect a paycheck. Perhaps that's unfair, I don't know, but he's 1A on that list of the all-apathetic team on the Caps right now. So you can dump Mantha for whatever, as far as I'm concerned, and you just kind of eat that trade from a couple years ago. But if you can get his salary off the books, um, that would be terrific. Other guys like that, you know, are contributors, but I still wouldn't mind them getting rid of. Again, Lars Eller, thank you for 2018. You won the Stanley Cup with your goal. That was a long time ago. Um, he now spends more time in the penalty box than anywhere else, it seems, and it just isn't a valuable contributor. Marcus Johansson has had a much better season than I thought when they brought him back on a million-dollar contract. He's been good. If somebody can take him off your hands, get rid of him. Honestly, there are very few guys that I wouldn't listen to offers for if I was GMBM. My untouchable list is Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom because they are the legacy guys, right? They're not going anywhere. Tom Wilson, 
who I still think is the next captain of this team, who I still think is a stalwart kind of guy. He struggled a little bit coming back from his ACL injury. It's to be expected, uh, even though, what, he's the only guy that's scored in the last couple games or something like that. Um, I'm fine with uh, keeping him. I, I mean, I would definitely keep him, I think, next year as he's a year out or more from his ACL injury. You're going to see him bounce back into a really strong power forward. And then I guess the goalies, even though I, I would probably listen. If somebody wanted to make an offer on Kemper, um, I would definitely listen. But everybody else on the roster is expendable. I know we just re-signed a couple guys to long-term extensions. Uh, Dylan Strome and uh, Sonny Milano. Great extensions in my mind. Although both of them have gone ice cold since signing those extensions. That kind of stinks. But I think long-term... They are young guys that can breathe some life into um, the lineup with their speed and their um, young hunger. So I'd like to see that now, but I, I think it's a long term. Obviously, it's a good play. But everybody else, I mean, I would listen on T.G. Oshie. I don't want to lose him, but I still think he's the heart of the team. But if he's the heart of the team, it's not working right now. So anybody else on the roster, Nick Dowd, great faceoff guy. Great defensive presence anchoring that fourth line. Love him. If somebody wanted to pick him up, I would listen. So my point is, right now, GMBM should be on the phone every minute of every day seeing what he can get for this current roster because this current roster is in trouble. And we've known it. It's, it's old. Probably still the oldest team in the league, right? It's slow. And for whatever reason is desperately lacking in urgency. If you watch any of those games in the last week, except maybe the Ducks game, it just, it's not there. This team used to get in on the four check. This team used to play as a tight five-man unit defensively and protect their goalies, protect home plate, as Craig Lachlan likes to say. Um, they used to get in on guys and hit um, and it's not happening right now, even from the players that sort of normally do it. So we can talk later about why that is. But the point is, it is. So GM, BM has some decisions to make. And personally, I think the right play is sell off what you can. Not a huge, huge fire sale. If you can get something to retool a little bit, that's fine. But move some guys out. Bring up the young guys. Let them play. Let them see what you got. And my final point on the young guys is some people I've heard, and I'll keep read comments on the internet and stuff, oh, let's just give up, let's have a fire sale, bring up the kids, and we'll suck for the next couple years. Well, I don't see it that way. If these kids are as talented as the scouts and the organization, organization for my Canadian friends, uh, think it is, think are, as they're talented as, as we think they are, then Get them up here and play. And I don't think putting kids in the lineup is the equivalent of waving the white flag. If you remember back to the beginning of last season, the Cats had a lot of injuries, um, guys out of the lineup with COVID and that sort of thing. LaViolette had a patchwork lineup where he was forced to play the kids. Brett Leeson, who's I know um, no longer here, but McMichael and LaPierre and some other guys were up and they played very well. The Caps darted out in the first half of that season to one of the best records in the league. 
Then some of the injured guys, Nicholas Backstrom and some other guys came back. The kids got pushed out of the lineup. And the season, if you look at it, kind of tanked from there. I know they got into the playoffs and all that, but they were in the wild card spot. But they went from good first half of the season and slowly slid down to that wild card spot. My point is, I don't think putting the kids in the lineup, injecting that hunger, that speed, especially if you let them play in positions where they're comfortable with, instead of putting Connor McMichael on the wing, let him play center. Let him thrive a little bit. You might just be surprised at how well they can bring the energy level up of this team. A good mix of the veteran older guys and the youth could really energize this club. And I think if you do it now, there's still time they might make the playoffs. So I don't see bringing up the youth and selling off some pieces as a big white flag. I think of it as the right answer. And, you know, maybe we'll see from there. The big problem, of course, is with going to a youth movement, whether it's the rest of this season or starting next season, is you got to have a coach who's willing to develop, grow, and sort of tend to that youth. And that's where the cast might have a problem. So that brings us to the elephant in the room. And I'm not talking about the man talking to you from behind the microphone. Big nose, big belly, big ears. I guess I would qualify. But I'm talking about Coach Peter LaViolette, who is another animal because he's a lame duck, right? He's a lame duck coach that does not have a contract beyond this season. So where do they go from here? I have no idea. Um, it depends on what you think your future plan is, of course. And it depends maybe on what Peter LaViolette wants to do. Because I got to tell you, he looks like he's checked out. Uh, he is right up there on the list of, of apathetic players and coaches, I guess, personnel, we'll say. Because you watch him behind the bench, and I love a good stoic coach that doesn't let you know what he's feeling. But some nights he looks like he's thinking about the pizza after the game or, you know, where he's headed for vacation in two months. I just don't know. I, I want to give him more credit. I'm obviously not in the room. I don't, um, to borrow one of his favorite phrases, uh, we're working on some things in the room. Obviously, no fan is privy to the inner workings of the locker room, or quite frankly, we're not hearing what's going on on the bench. So I'm not going to sit here and say for sure that he's checked out. But as a lame duck coach, he may be wondering like we all are, what the heck is going on next year. So I think one thing is firmly established, and that is that Pierre Laviolette is not the right coach to lead a youth movement. And if you, like me, thinks a youth movement has to be the next step for this team, at least a blend of lots of youth with your, your veteran leaders, then I don't see how Pierre Laviolette can be the coach next year. To be frank, if they get blown out by the Rangers tonight, uh, I think I'd get rid of them now because I'd bring in somebody that I'm going to sell off the pieces and I'm going to get somebody in here with the kids working right away, at least on an interim basis, maybe bringing up uh, Carberry from Hershey or something. Something's got to give because nothing is working for this team right now. And Peter LaViolette, whether he's engaged or not engaged, 
simply doesn't seem to have the answers. I thought he was a great hire three years ago. Uh, you know, he is a guy known for getting in guys, not getting in their faces as much as getting them motivated, right? He gives that great speech about playing with some jam and all that stuff. And I wanted to run through a wall when I watched that little video of when he was the coach for the Flyers. And he's getting the guys up in the locker room. You know, he looked perfect for steering this veteran team back to some success after the two lost years with um, Todd Reardon. Hey, I didn't call him Jeff Reardon this time. That's excellent. Um, where Todd Reardon looked completely lost, befuddled, would cross his arms behind the bench and just look like he wanted to be anywhere but there, looked completely out of his depth. So I thought Laviolette, you know, one of the winningest coaches in NHL history, Stanley Cup champion, um, you know, steady guy on the, the, the steering wheel of the ship, right? His, his reputation was... Well, I mean, we're still looking at first-round exits in the playoffs. So, while I think he was the right hire, and I think he's had some tough time, he had a bubble season with COVID. And last season, there were lots of injuries and stuff like that. And this season, the injuries have been incredible. While I think you could say he's done a good job, I don't think he's the right guy going forward. Now, I don't know who is, because I don't study NHL coaches and <clears> – <throat> prospective coaches like other people do. I, my personal feeling, having done a little bit of research, is that the next coach of the Capitals, whether it's the next season or whenever you get rid of LaViolette, I would like to see them go get Jeff Halpern. Obviously, Washington native, former Capital, but more importantly, has been on the bench next to John Cooper in Tampa for a long time now, probably like four or five years, and has there been a better run organization than that over the last five years? Not really. Cooper's terrific. Halpern, I know, is a contributor. But more importantly, he runs the power play, which <laughs> Blaine Forsyth, uh, you know, sabotage and blackmail jokes aside, the Caps power play is sputtering way lower than it should be. So maybe Halpern can bring some new information, new ideas there. But also, he has a reputation for developing young players. He works after practice. That is his one was one of his main jobs with Tampa when he first got there, was skill development and really helping young guys acclimate to the NHL and work in the lineup. What a wonderful fit that could be for the Capitals. Plus, it buys owner uh, Ted Leonsis and GM BM a little bit of a honeymoon period, right? Because Halpern's going to, Earn goodwill, at least for me, and I think most fans, you know, he was beloved here in Washington as a player. So you get a little time to have that grace period where he gets to cut a little more slack. Um, now, the question is, do you want a young guy to shepherd um, a younger coach to be coaching Alexander Ovechkin, another first-time coach, as we're speeding towards, you know, uh, the grade eights chase for Gretzky? Uh, we need to see what the club's priorities and how they, they mix and how they mesh. But I think Halpern would be a good fit. But let's get back to LaViolette. He clearly does not trust a lot of the young players, and maybe that's because he knows there's an urgency to win now, and that might have been his edict when he was hired three years ago. Win now. I'm going to give you all the veterans you need. we got to get this done. The window is closing. Well, I got to tell you, before this season, if somebody asked me about the championship window for the Caps, I would have said, 
it's like where you're driving in your car and you roll up the window because it's pouring down rain, but you still want a little fresh air and you have to leave a little crack at the top. That's what I think the championship window was. Now, good God, after this six-game losing streak and really only a one month, the month of December, they were terrific, but that was the anomaly this season because they weren't great in October or November either, and they have stunk in January and February. Now that championship window is not just slammed shut, it's boarded over as if a hurricane was coming. You know, I've got my storm shutters closed and I've got the plywood tacked on on top of that. This team isn't winning anything. They might go on some sort of run and slip into the playoffs, but they're not going to go on some sort of March Madness Cinderella run to the Stanley Cup. Let's just be honest about what we've got. So therefore, LaViolette probably isn't the right guy. His edict, the thing he was brought in for to steer a veteran team, that ship has sailed. It's done. So let's bring up the kids and let's bring up a young guy uh, uh, or bring in a, a younger coach or... I mean, frankly, if, if you've got a, if there's a, a coach out there, an older coach who has a reputation for um, bringing young guys in and developing them, and it, well, that would be great. But what I don't want is a retread coach. What you see bounce around the NHL is the same coaches getting hired over and over and over again. And it works sometimes. Look at Boston. Um, yeah, I'm surprised they got rid of. Um, Bruce Cassidy, but they brought in Jim Montgomery. I was like, oh, retread. That's kind of silly. Mm, well, whatever. Now they might tie the wins record. You're on pace to you know, tie the wins record for NHL history. So that's a bad call on my part. But those retreads, I don't think work. So don't tell me. Just I'm going to put my hand up. You can't see it. I'm on a podcast. Don't tell me about Barry Trotz. First of all, Barry Trotz ain't walking through that door. He doesn't want a piece of this organization again, I'm sure. But I don't want to hear it because he also does not cater to the youth. Jacob Verona was in his doghouse for a long, long time. And then, finally, don't tell me about Bruce Boudreaux. I love Bruce. He got a terribly raw deal in Vancouver. Yes, he shepherded the young guns into the NHL, the early of Alex Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom era. But those teams were good in the regular season. They were fun to watch. My God, were they fun to watch. But Bruce Boudreaux ain't winning any Stanley Cups either because he is a guy that has can put together a great regular season where he plays a different team every night. But Bruce's big downfall, in my opinion, and not just here in Washington, but in Minnesota and Anaheim, everywhere else he's been, gets in the playoffs. And when you have to make adjustments over the course of a seven-game series because you're playing the same team night after night, Bruce doesn't do it. You want to bring Bruce in as a consultant for the power play? I'm here for it. You want to bring Bruce in to be the head coach? No chance. So I think LaViolette's got to go. I would let him go someday if uh, they stink on ice against the Rangers. And then I think next year you got to bring in somebody that can guide your hybrid veterans and uh, youth movement and, and go from there. Hey, guys. If you're still with me, thanks for hanging in. I really appreciate you listening. I'm not going to belabor the points too much longer because we're all kind of wallowing in this pit of despair when it comes to the Capitals, and there's no uh, need to really drag it on any further. But I do have two quick points I want to make about uh, them going forward. One, I need to issue an apology. Well, like a half apology, but that is to one John Carlson. First of all, Mr. Carlson, I'm glad you seem to be healthy. Uh, It was a terrible-looking injury. I'm glad you're working your way back towards the lineup. 
I'm not going to lie. When you get back in the lineup, I still expect you to have your resting dope face from time to time. I still expect you to infuriate me as I'm watching you stand next to the guy that's scoring the goal and wondering, hey, what happened? You know, but so, but my apology is clearly they miss you. <laughs> so for all the things that I can uh, harp on and, you know, you don't pass the eye test very often in the defensive zone, John Carlson, he is obviously part of the problem of why they're playing bad right now. Um, they're something like 9, 13, and 1 since he injured uh, his ear or exactly what happened. You know, that mystery, we still don't know exactly what happened. Um, did his ear fall off? Did his brain rattle around in his face? Did he have a, a broken jaw? I don't know. But it looks like probably some sort of ear problem, right? Or orbital bone maybe. But hope he's healthy. Hope he's getting back. But obviously they miss him. And I would say more than anything, they miss him on the offensive end, which obviously the power play, he's the quarterback back there, the best player getting the puck to Ovechkin. He's a right-handed shooting defenseman. Um, that's a big deal because they don't have many or any um, without him. And he can move the puck out of the zone, out of the defensive zone. So clearly one of the things that has suffered with the Capitals in their January, February malaise has been their transition game. Uh, you, you wouldn't think that would necessarily be the case with some puck movers like Nick Backstrom and Evgeny Kuznetsov, but it is. And, you know, Eric Gustafson's been a decent fill-in. He's been a decent um, replacement for Carlson, but it's not getting the job done. He's obviously better when he's playing with Carlson. So, John Carlson, look, I, I don't love you. You still don't pass the eye test for me, but obviously there's a hole in the lineup without him. And he, he is a missing piece that they need to get back. So I bow to the analytics guys a little bit. I bow to the sabermetricians who tell me how valuable he is when you look at the underlying numbers and all that stuff. Well, I guess I, I give you your props, sabermetricians, because I don't have to look at the underlying numbers. I can look at the overlying numbers, which are the standings points and the record. And clearly they miss John Carlson. Very quickly, the other thing I want to get to is this is a shout out to my nephew, Ben, who is my most consistent listener when, or was my most consistent listener when I did this a year or so ago. I appreciate that, Ben. Yet, however, I am not sorry that the Penguins are also on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs. It'd be the first time in 16 seasons they wouldn't get in the playoffs if they miss. It would be a very weird thing to not see Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin in the NHL playoffs. I think it's bad for the league, but it certainly transitions that their time is almost up. That makes me sad. And that the league is moving on. So Ben, I can't root for the Penguins to get the playoffs and make you happy, but I appreciate you listening. And I hope we're not all in the same boat with our teams looking on the inside out. Anyway, Cats fans, thank you for listening. I appreciate you listening to this special episode, a very special episode of Nose for the Net. I don't think we learned anything about uh, teen pregnancy or drug use or any of the other things like an after-school special or a very special episode of your favorite NBC sitcom, but I hope it was a little bit informative. I just had to get my thoughts and opinions out after Thursday ahead of this Rangers game. Hopefully the Cavs can take care of business this afternoon against New York, and maybe we see an upswing. 
I'll probably do another one of these, uh, you know, after the trade deadline or something. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time if you feel like it. Thank you.